Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again and welcome along for another dose of Shim Spider and so much more already. We are up to episode six and our footprint continues to grow with over seven and a half thousand downloads of our shows and coming up to almost 1,500 Twitter followers. And we've also launched our YouTube channel as well, which already has over 50 subscribers. So thank you for all your support. We've got a lot to get through today. A stumbling Sydney, a poorly performing Perth, Manchester in mourning, and Barcelona bullied by Bayern. Our special guest is the Central Coast Mariners defender, Ziggy Gordon, and Spider and Maury are alongside me as per usual. How are you, boys? Morning, gentlemen. It's, good. it's a good Monday morning for the Spider-Man after a 2-0 win yesterday against Manly. It's always good to wake up after a win, Maury. Yeah, no, it's a great way to wake up, Spider. You, you love a, a winning a game of football and... At this stage of the season as well, we're seeing, we're seeing plenty of football in terms of the Champions League and the Europa League as well. So, well done, big fella. Good result. Well, it is with the domestic game that we will start today in Simon Says. Simon Says. So, here's my rant today. Independence. The dictionary definition says it's a condition by which an organisation exercises self-government. It is the freedom from outside control or support. And this single word has become the cause celebre for A-League club owners over the last few years. It drove the governance war, shaped the TV deal, and not in the way that they wanted. And yet, crucially, it continues to prove elusive. As long ago as 2003, the Crawford Report recommended an independent National League. Even further back, Frank Lowy withdrew his Sydney City team from the NSL after a disagreement over the financial model of the competition with the then Australian Soccer Federation. This is an argument as old as time. 
Now, fast forward to August 2018, a FIFA-backed Congress Review Working Group recommended an independent A-League. A full year later, an in-principle agreement was reached over what it would look like. And yet here we are in August 2020, and despite various timeframes having come and gone, we are still stuck at the same point. The 2018 recommendations envisaged a new body with an independent chair with the clubs to have greater control over the strategic and commercial direction of the league, in turn triggering new investment. The APFCA website lists independence as its top priority, yet none of it has materialised, despite everyone signing off on it, all the stakeholders. Now, of course, COVID has thrown a large spanner in the works. We know that the TV deal has been almost halved and the governing body is reportedly in serious financial trouble. But surely at some point, the game, and the A-League in particular, has to grasp, grasp the nettle and take the giant leap of faith. In doing so, however, it must connect the tiers of the game in tandem. Is that a sticking point? We don't know. The status quo is clearly not working, other than keeping the current ecosystem barely breathing on life support. It is subsistence living that is almost entirely dependent upon extending the begging bowl to Fox Sports every few years. It's unsustainable, especially as Fox have made it quite clear that football is not their priority. The rumour is some of the member federations are again blocking a move towards independence as they allegedly fight for the ever-diminishing returns of a smaller TV distribution which now has less than a year left to run. Is that true? Who knows? There is precious little information. The A-League, meantime, about to be without a naming rights sponsor with seemingly no successor in sight, will likely operate with a reduced salary cap next season, thus diluting quality and making generating interest even more difficult. And as to the mainstream football media that's charged with covering it all, well, as we've discussed many times on this podcast already, that body of people is now virtually non-existent. We have been the first ones to pay the price of the game's failures. Aside of the 11 principles put forward by new CEO James Johnson, the way forward for both the game and its senior competition remains very much underfunded, unclear, publicly undiscussed, and therefore under a large cloud. And of course, the football community are the big losers in this. Our leaders continue to fail to deliver. It's surely time for the talking and the promises to stop. Football people want action and results. And in my view, the time is now. Maury and Spider, your view. That's a depressing little start, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> depressing, but reality, ain't it? Yeah. Um, but okay. confusing as well, Spider. Confusing in the way I delivered it, Maury? Or just that the whole story is confusing? No, I mean, it's just very, very unclear about what the, the direction of our game is. I mean, we have a, um, a new league's working group in, in terms of, you know, this independence and, and driving the, you know, the A-League, the model forward. But again, I don't really know what's happening in that space. When I was trying to search information leading into this podcast, you, you know, it's a, it's a year ago before you've seen any recent um, updates. The Congress, Simon, in terms of, um, you know, the way that that sits, I've never kind of really understood that, that particular situation. I believe that as much as 90% um, sits with 
the member federations. No, that's that's uh, no longer true. To be fair, that that it used has, to be has that case. changed. It's uh, post um, the Congress war. That's been diluted to fifty eight percent. I think is is the figure okay. now. Yeah. Okay. That that's yeah, okay. Well, I've seen the, the last one, but even in terms of the fifty eight percent, fifty eight percent. That's the the amateur, the amateur side of of the game. Um, and this is a problem that is also um, cropped up in other countries. The professional part of the game needs to be driving certainly the the A League and and their direction. But mate, I'm really really confused. Um, FFA have been very very quiet of late, um, and and that's why we're all guessing um, about you know what the direction is. We need we need leadership. We need direction. We need structure. We need timelines. Um, mm. Spider, I know you're big on timelines as well. Yeah, well, we, we spoke before we come on the air today, me and Simon were talking about the exact same thing, how the FFA are very, very quiet. There's, there's no noise. There's no leader. Where, where, where is James Johnson? Where, he's, he's just disappeared. Is he on holiday? I don't know what's going on. The, uh, the A-League's coming into the semi-final stage. We don't know what's going on. If you weren't a football supporter, you wouldn't even know the A-League was playing because the media is virtually zero the clubs mm. are doing their own uh, pre-game interviews and all that so the only way you have some sort of connection is if you really love the game so we're not drawing in people but as for the game itself we want timelines we're, we're desperate for timelines we're desperate for someone we don't even know maury when the a-league is going to recommence after this so we got two weeks left of football in the a-league mm-hmm. and then we have no idea when it's going to recommence well, the clock is ticking, guys. Uh, we're already two months into uh, the uh, extended one-year deal with Fox Sports. So let's hope we, uh, we get some answers as to what the future is going to look like very, very soon. We've got some news, incidentally, uh, on the new National Second Division coming up but a little bit later on in the show as well. All right, let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's talk about the other issues around the Australian game in Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Hard Talk is brought to you in association with StreamGate, live streaming since 2008, specialising in custom-built page streaming, pay-per-view, complete virtual events, and multilingual streaming. Their virtual room conferences can service multiple destinations simultaneously and social media channels servicing Australia-wide clients. Go to streamgate.com.au or find them on Instagram. And we thank uh, StreamGate for their continued support of this podcast. Uh, guys, before we get to the A-League chat on the pitch, uh, a question regarding Wellington Phoenix. It sort of follows on from uh, what I was saying in Simon Says. That their agreement to compete in this competition, which has mm-hmm. to be ratified, of course, by the AFC and FIFA, runs out at the end of this current season, which is uh, a couple of weeks away. Mm-hmm. The last public discussion that I can find on this was in February 2020. Uh, what's going on? Does anybody know? And should they stay, in your opinion? <laughs> Well, I mean, for me, in terms of the performance of Wellington Phoenix, um, I think has been very good over the last two seasons. Um, so, you know, in, in that side of things, the, the football, I think they have, for the first time in a long time, delivered something to the, the competition, Simon. But again, is this not something in terms of the business model moving forward, uh, in terms of the independence, the, the new league's working group will make the decisions of whether or not Wellington or not are going to be in the league in the future. Mm. 
Oh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, and obviously, as we've said, we're, we're still awaiting to, to find out what that looks like. Um, Spider, I, I don't think anybody doubts that Wellington have been great to watch this season. Ufuk Tale has done a terrific job. Uh, their, their last um, game against Newcastle, probably uh, an exception, which they lost 3-0. Um, but I guess it, it's off the pitch that the people in Australia in particular have continued questions about Wellington Phoenix and their value to the league. Well, what's your view on it? Look, I think they give value to the league for the simple fact that it gives that rivalry, Australia mm-hmm. against the Kiwis. The only thing we have to really look at, why are we helping the Kiwi players uh, get better? And if you have a look, they've had some great transfers from from the Wellington Phoenix, like Singh's gone to, to Bayern Munich, wow. where their young players are getting opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, where maybe young Australian players should be getting those opportunities. So why are we helping develop the Kiwis. I know it's a bit of a rivalry there, but I think they have been good in the last couple of years. And I think to have that rivalry is a fantastic thing as well. Do I, do I think they should be in the A-League at the moment? Obviously, with the way it's structured, yes. But realistically, they shouldn't be in our league. And just, uh, I think, again, we've talked about being slightly confused with the direction and all those kind of things. What happens if uh, Wellington Phoenix win the competition, uh, win the grand final? Now, we know that they don't qualify for uh, for Asia, for the Asian Champions League. But again, may, maybe a lot of people out um, that, that don't really have intimate knowledge of the game, when if that situation arose and that was reported, again, that's going to be very, very confusing for, for the people to, to really grasp and understand. My, my view on this is that I, I think Wellington Phoenix should stay in the competition. Uh, I think they're obviously financially stable. I think on the pitch they've they've given a fair bit. Of course, we would like to see their crowds grow, but they they're certainly not unique in that. Um, and I think historically, going back to the start of the A League, one of the reasons this was done, of course, was uh, a because uh, New Zealand represented a, a market of four million people that we needed to tap into, with only twenty million in Australia at the time. Uh, but also, it was it, it was a bit of a sop to Oceania because we'd left. Oceania to, to move into the AFC and we wanted to be seen to be helping the region that we, we'd left behind. I, I have no issue uh, with, with them staying in the competition and uh, all we need to know really is, is that going to be confirmed um, or not? And if not, then <laughs> who's coming in to replace them? Anyway, lots of questions with regards to the structure of the A-League. As we mentioned, they lost their last game uh, and missed a big chance to, to cement uh, a top three spot, losing 3-0 to the Newcastle Jets. I just want a word on the Newcastle Jets. They took 25 points from a mm. possible 36 from their last 12 games. If the A-League ladder was based on the last 12 matches, Newcastle Jets would be the premiers, yeah. which is remarkable. He's done a fantastic job since he came in. I, I know Maury knows more about him, but I think you can see Newcastle is now a structured team. Mm. Yeah, and I think with it, Spider, again, Carl Robinson has just, he's come into to the Jets with, with, with an honesty about him as well, uh, I think. And that's very important. Uh, you know, the results obviously help. And the way that they've, I mean, the season's finished at the wrong time for them. Um, and they'll be excited about the challenges uh, for next season. It's a long way away. And we don't know when exactly that's going to be. But it's certainly so, uh, some exciting times, hopefully for Newcastle Jets moving forward. Uh, Recruitment is also going to be, like for every club, very, very important. And until we know the distribution for next year, again, a lot of questions that we don't have answers for, but fantastic finish to the season for the Jets. And Carl Robinson has done a really, really good job. 
Sure has. Uh, on that table, based on the last 12 matches, and we know this is a bit theoretical, but two teams who would definitely miss out on the finals, strangely enough, are Sydney FC and Perth Glory, the two grand finalists from last year. Cause for concern for both those clubs going into the knockout games, Spider? For, for me, no. Uh, Perth, maybe a bit more so, uh, because just simply because of how many players they've lost. So you can actually see that they've been the ones that have been affected most by the after COVID when it, when the season recommenced. Sydney, I'm not concerned about Sydney. I, I just think, yeah, they're going a little bit through the, through the moment at the moment because they won the minor premiership. They know they've got one game to prepare for to go to the grand final. So basically, Sydney have two more big matches to play. And if you see what Bimby has done, he's actually played minutes to keep everyone fresh, not to overdo them. He just wants a full squad to select for that semi-final match. So I'm not not overly worried about Sydney FC. But they did put out what is what is essentially Maury, their, their first choice the starting eleven against Western United and still lost at home. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Simon. And um, I was going to say to you, Spider, uh, I am concerned for, for Sydney FC because I don't think teams in this country are good enough just to just to be able to turn the switch on when they like. Now, we talk about winning mentality uh, and, and the importance of that. The, the recent performances and games and mistakes that have crept into Sydney FC uh, are, for me, are a big, big concern. I was, before the restart, Sydney are going to go on and win the grand final comfortably. I've got to say, uh, I've, I've slightly changed my mind now. I'm concerned for Sydney FC. I think that not being able to win matches um, and have a good run going into the final series can actually come back and bite them on the bum. We'll see if that uh, happens for Sydney FC. Uh, Melbourne City finished second, their highest ever placing since they came into the league in 2010, and they've achieved their holy grail, the Asian Champions League, COVID notwithstanding. Um, Spider, you very publicly tipped them to win the whole thing a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and yet the old frailties came back to haunt them a little bit against Adelaide. They were uh, 2-0 up. All right, they had Craig Noon sent off, but they let that lead slip and only ended up drawing. Is, is that mental fragility still there? I know you don't think it is. Oh, I thought uh, Adelaide showed a bit of uh, courage to keep attacking. Mm. And, you know, we all speak about the way Adelaide has finished the season off under Carl Viet. They've done a fantastic job as well. So it was a game that, you know, Melbourne City had to defend. Honestly, they're probably not the best team if they have to put their backs up against the wall and, and defend. So going down to 10 obviously hurt them a lot. But I still think they've shown, shown enough uh, to be the favourites. But what they have had is the best draw. They've only had to play three games. So they haven't had to play matches every three, four days. I mean, I think Western United have a heavy yeah. schedule the last three games. Uh, I think uh, Perth had a pretty bad schedule, which now... Uh, gets a little bit easier. So they can all prepare for that one semi-final. Western United are the one who's disadvantaged now because they have to play on Wednesday and then they have to play again semi-final straight away on Saturday. So they've had a heavy schedule. Well, uh, yes, they do. Uh, they could finish third, Maury, if, if they can they... see off City in that final game of the regular season. We're recording this podcast, of course, on Monday before that game. How big an achievement would that be for, for Mark Rudin in their first year? It would it would be a massive massive achievement achievement for the football club and 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 Rudes has for me done a a fantastic job. I think uh, Rudes has evolved this season. I mean, when you look back at the start of the season and, and the type of players that that he had, you know, Erson Gulam was was there at the football club. You've got Barisha, you had Scotty McDonald, you had Kone, you had Diamante, 
maybe the dynamic of the squad he realised once it was together, Spider, didn't work. Yeah. And, and obviously changes have been have been made, and you know we've seen the emergence of a of a Cam Burgess. Um, you know we we've seen some good younger players that have been introduced, and they just seem to be a happier a happier team, if that makes sense. And therefore, uh, the performances uh, have certainly showed that. Um, so I think he's done a remarkable job this season. I think the second half of the season, Maury, and you're spot on what you said because his team was very old and slow at the beginning. I think he went for experience and a little bit of stabilisation to, you know, stirred, be stirred defensively. But as the season's progressed... Be stirred. Is that another, <laughs> another new sturdy. word in the dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> okay. we, we, one a week, we, it's consistent. One a week. We're going to call it spiderish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new language. But what I think Rudes has done really well is his team has become more mobile now. They've got the boy at the back. What's his name? Imao, the, the Japanese boy. Fantastic, yeah. mobile, strong, quick. Burgess has come in. So all of a sudden, the dynamic of the team is much better to, to accompany the, the qualities of a Diamante. Zelko Kalats, shaken, not stirred. Um, <laughs> Brisbane Roar, <laughs> the other team in the six. Um, interesting off-field stuff going on with the Roar at the moment. They, they continue to be embroiled in this row with their former coach, Robbie Fowler, which looks as though it's mm. uh, about to get rather nasty and certainly is going to end up in legal proceedings. Uh, Robbie calling the club gangsters and filing a case with FIFA. Raw insisting they had a mutual agreement to separate. Um, this is not a great look for, for Brisbane Raw, is it, at the moment? Or for football in this country. Or for Robbie, to be fair. No, it's look, no, nobody wins, Simon. Uh, again, it's a, a situation that um, shouldn't, shouldn't really be played out in the media, but at the same time, that means things had to have been handled in the correct way. Uh, I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong. What, what I do know is that the players uh, prior to, to Robbie Fowler's departure had received a message uh, from Robbie Fowler um, and then what was delivered by the club uh, to the playing group was, was a completely different message. Um, so. Look, there's there's somewhere in 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 between, but like I says, we, we we don't really like to to hear or see these things played out in the media because once again, it's not it's not good for our game. And Robbie Fowler is a is a huge name in in football, so it's not just an Australian story. It then goes and and travels throughout the world, which is not good for the game. Okay, that's the top six um, of the clubs that have missed out. We've we talked about the Jets already, and a little bit about uh, Adelaide with their decent end to the season under Carl Beert. I'm uh, beaten in five. Um, does he get the job? I mean, we talked about this before. Uh, I mean, when you when you go five games unbeaten as interim, you'd, you'd think you're pretty much a shoe in. But Adelaide say they're going to take their time. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I think they they're going to take their time, but the decision's already made. Um, <laughs> you got inside knowledge there for it. <laughs> nah, I mean, look, look, the 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 job. What they were looking for was somebody local um, as a preference, and somebody that's Australian. Carl Viet's come in and done a wonderful job. They can take as much time as they want. I think they've already made their decision. Okay. Um, what about the Wanderers, Spider? They missed out again. Three years on the spin now. Looks as though another squad revamp is on the cards. There's uh, talk that Mitch Duke is close to the exit door going to the Middle East. Perman Schwiegler, of course, is retiring. The return to Bankwest has not really been the panacea they hoped it was going to be this season. No, I think we spoke about it, touched on it last week. Uh, the domestic broom's going to come out. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 
The domestic think... broom as, as opposed to the international broom. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a bigger one. Let's go the industrial broom. That's probably, oh, the, one, that's probably that... the one they need, that big one, Maury, you know? And look, no, definitely yeah. that, that'll, that'll come out now. And I've, I've read things that Mr. Letterer said about uh, maybe getting some people in and overlooking it. What's that great word that we're using, Maury, that people always... Uh, Given information. What's what's this word? Help me out, you two. Well, what do you, what do you mean, given information? Well, give me a little bit more. Well, people are getting paid for actually being investigators, consultants. Consultants. That's the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Consult. Everyone's a consultant. Yeah. Like I mean, Western Wanderers have to probably sit down with the CEO, Mr. Letterer, and probably the head coach now, which is JP, which are given to for one year, and yeah. really decide which which path they want to take because they keep getting it wrong and. For me, JP has only been given the job for one year. So that tells me that still it's not, there's no security there. Spider, a lot, I mean, you'll hear it more because you're down there and I'm hearing it a lot being, being up here as well. Mate, they have the best group of young players coming through their, their, their academy set up in terms of the, the youth teams and all that sort of stuff. But there doesn't really seem to be any clear information um, they have a great opportunity as a uh, as a football club to bring through some really quality young players, I believe. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. But they did they play him now in these last games. This is the thing that, and I'll, I'm not having a go at anyone here, but this makes no sense to me, right? So, Wanderers had a problem with goalkeepers. So, uh, what's his name? The number one Suman? keeper. There was the number Daniel one. Daniel Lopa. Lopa didn't come back and play post COVID. Yanetovic yep. was injured. So they were yeah. left with Suman and Oliver Cullitz. So Jack Greenwood's still there? No, Jack Greenwood's not there. Right. What they did is they went and got a goalkeeper from the State League. So Nick Suman... Yes, Tristan Prendergast. Yes, Nick yes. Suman, who's been with Wanderers for the past seven years, six years, yeah. I don't know exactly. So he's a product of Western Sydney Wanderers. They should have gave him the opportunity to play these five games. They went and got a goalkeeper from the State League Mm. And played the boy from the state league, which I'm not having a go at Tristan. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. to do with Tristan. They should have yeah. played their own product. They That's a great it. message. They it's a great it. message to play your own product. That's right. But they didn't. They played Tristan. And now Suman has signed a contract for MacArthur Bulls. So Suman will be going to MacArthur. So they've lost a goalkeeper or a player that they have developed and spent six or seven years developing because he mm. didn't see an opportunity at the club yeah. that he was developed. In, in fairness, the Wanderers have blooded a lot of those youngsters this season. Mohamed Adam is worn. Costa Gozos yep. has played. Nick mm-hmm. Sullivan, uh, okay, he came back from overseas, yep. but he's still a young midfielder. Um, and, and there are quite a few others. Mathieu Cordier played in the last game of the season. So they are getting it. Tasmo de Kutis is another one. They are sort of giving them opportunities, aren't they? It's, mm-hmm. it's a difficult one, though, Maury. You, you want to blood those youngsters. You want to give them experience. Mm-hmm. But you can't just chuck them all in together, or can you? Look, it's. I mean, in Australia, you can do you can do what you want because there is no punishment, as we've spoken about. But again, it's more about what the the club set out, what what they want to achieve, and how they they want to go about that. Look, JP now has the the job for for next season, so he really has the opportunity, uh, Simon, to put his own stamp on this this football team, um, and it's just important that he gets that support from the football club to do that. Okay. 
Um, Melbourne victory, horrendous campaign. They've already lost Andrew Naboot to Perth for next season. Lawrence Thomas has gone. James Donachie has gone. He's going to go to Newcastle. They won just mm. two out of their last 14, which is extraordinary for a club the size of victory. Uh, but they did at least blood some youngsters, which we've just been talking about towards the end of the season. Uh, and we've got a Twitter question from no, under, no other than Gary Cole. Legendary former oh, yes. Socceroos Good striker. Idea, um, and his question yeah. is a very simple one. Who's going to coach the victory? We have talked about this before, but uh, who's the yeah. man to restore them to former glories? I, I have no idea who who are they, they're thinking about bringing in. I, I can't even picture the job ahead. I, I think they got it wrong when Muskie left. Uh, they went out and got Kurt. And I, I think they try to do everything in a cheap way and they paid the price for it. Uh, so it's a big decision. I heard uh, Arthur Pappas turned down the, turned down the job. Yeah, Arthur Pappas has ruled himself out. Um, Trianos mm. Delas was mentioned, but he's out as well. Maury? Mm. Yeah, for me, the, the concerning thing here uh, with such a big club like Melbourne Victory is the amount of time that it has taken for them to, to, to clearly communicate and make a decision. Um, I, I feel as if they should have already had a head coach in place. I know that um, you know that Pappas was mentioned and John Aloisi supposedly the last two. For me, um, you know, I know I've worked with John, so people might think, "Ah, oh, you're being biased, Maury." I think John Aloisi is a great fit for Melbourne Victory. All right, we'll see if he uh, gets the job. Uh, the Mariners, of course, bottom again, three consecutive wooden spoons. We touched upon them uh, last week and the need for new owners and, and new investors. Um, uh, one question on, on the Mariners and Melbourne Victory as well. What's happened to the playoff for the FFA Cup? Now, we know that the Cup has been scrapped this year, but presumably it will come back next year. So mm. uh, this playoff would be for next year, theoretically. Um, as to who misses out in the FA Cup, which was made a big thing of at the time. Do we, do we know? Is that game still going ahead? Or has no, it just been uh, completely uh, scrapped? I have no idea. And again, this is, you know, from the very, very top as we, as we started, we, you know, the game is desperate for some clear direction, mm. hopefully. Hopefully those decisions um, and, and that information can be relayed as quick as possible, Simon. Well, here is a little bit of clear information that uh, uh, we can give you uh, exclusively on Shim, Spider and so much more. Uh, around now, which is uh, Monday lunchtime, uh, the emails are going out from the AAFC to all their affiliated clubs uh, outlining the criteria for a new national second division, asking for all those clubs to agree on that criteria and then to put forward any expressions of interest uh, as to being a part of that national second division. Now, that's a positive. Whether that's done with the full approval and knowledge of the FFA, I have no idea. But it's, it's something that we've talked about an awful lot in this sport over the last uh, couple of years. I don't know what's happening with uh, the working committee that was headed up by, by Remo Nogarotto, whether the AFC have just got frustrated with that and have decided to go off on their own way. I've no clue. But mm. at least we have a little bit of progress. It's going to be interesting to see um, you two, which clubs stick their hand up? Let's start with you, Spider, because you're at one of those clubs. You're the head coach, Sydney United. Mm. Will your club be sticking its mitt up and saying, yeah, yeah, we want a part of it? We'll be putting our hand up. Uh, I would say Marconi will be putting their hand up. I would say Wollongong Wolves will be putting their hand up. And mm -hmm. I would say Sydney Olympic will put their hand up. So that's 
four that I would say definitely in New South Wales. I, th- I think AAFC actually think they'll get a lot more than just four in New South. I think they're, they're looking at well over 20 nationwide, mm-hmm. including Maury. Uh, some of the new uh, entities, uh, potentially, such as a Team Eleven, which of course w- w- was turned down for uh, entry into the A League when the last expansion yep. process took place, which, which is good. Mm. Yes. No, no, very, very much so. And we've, we've probably missed out Canberra. We know that Canberra uh, are they? You know, they're they're uh, a bid that have tried to come in previously for for the A League. So it would be very interesting to see um, exactly what interest is out there and how many. Simon, um, you know, we've even heard recently Diamante, for example, coming out, uh, you know, players that have got huge experience talking about how important a second division is to the football economy in this country. And as I understand it, um, the clubs will be asked to pay for this themselves. So uh, not a cent is required from the Federation in terms of uh, sponsorship dollars or or anything else. Anyway, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all uh, pans out over the uh, coming weeks. Let's move away from the local game and head overseas. London calling. Yeah, London calling. Uh, We perhaps should relabel this segment Lisbon calling for the next couple of weeks uh, because that's where the Champions League mini tournament uh, has been based. Let's start with the big one. Wow. Bayern Munich's destruction, obliteration, humiliation of Barcelona by eight goals to two. Did anyone see that coming? And can anyone stop them winning old big ears? That's a bit rude. Did anyone see that coming? <laughs> Here you, we actually, go. you were actually told <laughs> that it was going to be a demolished job and it was going to be a goal fest. <laughs> no. That's true. You did say that. You know, you know what the beauty about this game for me is? Is that we had Virgil on last week and we were talking about fitness, athletic capacity, running capacity. This game summed it up, didn't it? The, the, mm. the quality of Barcelona technically, but they've got no legs anymore. And, and yeah. Bayern Munich just overran them, overpowered them, were too quick for them. Plus, their players have quality as well. It's the yeah, ultimate, uh, ultimate modern football, isn't it? They are machines, Bayern. Mm. But you need a look. You need a balance. You need everything. But you know the modern one day game now in terms of that physicality and, and transition. Okay, people might say Tikka Tucker's uh, you know not there as much, but technically you still need to be good on the ball. I think with with Barcelona, they've 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 just come to to the end of the road in terms of where this team um, can go. So it needs to be a massive rebuild there. But the Germans, I mean Muller, Muller this season since he's come back into the team, um, Bayern Munich have have just gone on to bigger and better things. Lewandowski, unbelievable. Coutinho, salt into to the wounds of your. Um, How does you know, that happen, Maury? How does it happen <laughs> that you allow a player that you own to play against you in a Champions League quarterfinal? He comes off the bench and scores twice. I mean, you've been skewered by your own player. Oh, it's not nice, eh? It's not nice, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's maybe a clause that they should have thought about in, in that contract. Um, I've also seen another clause in that one that if Bayern Munich go on to win the competition, that Liverpool received five million That's from right. Barcelona. <laughs> Talk about rubbing salt into the wounds, eh? <laughs> Extraordinary. Um, you, you said, Maury, you think this is the end of an era maybe for Barcelona. Yeah. Obviously, the big question is, 
uh, is Leo Messi going to stay? His body language towards the end of the game, I mean, he wasn't alone, to be fair. Uh, he looked very, very deflated. The, the big rumour is, of course, that he's going to go to Manchester City because he knows Pep Guardiola. And City are the, probably one of the few clubs in the world that could afford him, uh, certainly his wages. Can you see it happening, though? For me, Barcelona without Messi and Messi without Barcelona, it's almost unthinkable. It is, but, um, you know, Messi's come out recently. You know, he's really disappointed the way that things have gone. We've started to see more and more in the in the press about the, the possibility of Messi leaving Barcelona. Uh, I, I really believe that it is a big possibility that Messi will leave Barcelona um, and enjoy a couple of years uh, playing football and hopefully chase the success that he wants. Um, but it will be at another football club. Spides, what's your thoughts? Oh, mate. He's had a lot of success, so, uh, so, so yeah, yeah, he's had a lot of success. But I, I just agree with you, Maury. I just think Barcelona—it's the end of an era. That, that's all. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't have to kill the team. They—they they weren't good enough this year. Their the team is older. Their team is slower. They would probably have to bring in a few players. Mate, that's Barcelona. Very good players around the world would snap at the opportunity to go play for Barcelona. So I, I wouldn't be drawing to conclusions that he's going to leave yet. Mm-hmm. It depends on the recruiting and the kind of players they bring back to Barcelona. Is, uh, and coach. Is, sorry. Yes, uh, coach. Well, that's what I was about to move on to. Is, is Pochettino the man, despite his Espanol links? He said he'd never go and work for Barca, but uh, he's the hot favourite as we uh, record this podcast. Uh, rightfully so for me. I know Poch has come out and said uh, something in the, uh, regards to not wanting to coach Barcelona, but I think I've seen something more recently saying, <laughs> saying how... Football changes all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, what, what, who, who would knock back Barcelona and Pochettino, I think, would be a great fit for the football club. Don't you love football? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No, no, I could never wear that. No, what about no, no, Allegri? Never, never in a million years. Oh, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> what about it? It's, it's when they say, I would never do it. And you think to yourself, mate, he's half a chance of going there, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I think Allegri would be a great fit for Barcelona. Okay. Also? Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about um, the club that maybe Leo Messi is about to join. Um, and I'm not going to say too much because I'm still steaming. But Manchester <laughs> City, uh, beaten by Leon. City, hugely disappointing. Pep? overthinking his tactics and his team once again, Maury, for you? Uh, look, we, we, he makes a change and goes three at the back. Um, you know, and Garcia, for me, uh, the most inexperienced one probably plays you know, in, in the most experienced role, the central one. Um, so, look, that, that's obviously hurt. Um, I believe that you know, there were mistakes um, you know, with the first two goals. And then the opportunity, Simon and has a huge impact on the game. Sterling's big miss. Mm. Um, you know, it just, it didn't, it didn't seem to be Man City's night. Leon were, uh, you know, were tactically very switched on. 
and ended up getting the right result. But more disappointment, unfortunately, for you, Simon, and Man yes, City thanks. for another thanks for that for, for another season. But yeah, I mean, defensively, has been an issue all season. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, he's, the failure to replace Vincent Company has been an error that has come back to bite City all season in all competitions. It's not easy. I know, I know, I know one player you would like to have. Van Dyke. Upa Meccano. Yes. He's, he was very, very good for oh. Leipzig, um, which leads us on to that conversation and away from City. Uh, the Germans, very, very dynamic under Julian Nagelsmann, very smart young coach, only 33 years of age. Uh, they now take on Paris Saint-Germain in the last four. Again, we're recording this podcast before those uh, semifinals in the middle of the week. Uh, can they do the unthinkable and get, and get to the final, a club that didn't even exist uh, 11, 12 years ago? Look, the Champions League are all quality teams. So anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And as we know, in football, moments change games. And in these games, it all comes down to moments. Uh, I think I think all four teams... There was a few years ago, if you remember, Porto ended up playing Monaco in the final. No one would have thought that was going to happen. So mm-hmm. it, it can happen. But we were left with two very interesting semifinals where the underdogs could so easily go through in both leagues. Maury? Yeah, no, anything, anything as possible, is possible as we have seen. But, um, you know, Leipzig, in, uh, they're, they're just a great team. I, mean, I mentioned Upa Meccano. Angelino, player on loan from Man City, was, was amazing. Sabitzer was good. Mm-hmm. Paulson up top, who replaced Timo Werner. He was, he was pretty quiet, but this is a team. Uh, and they're, they're coming up against, obviously, a team that has unbelievable individuals. Um, in PSG and Mbappe and, and Neymar, uh, Di Maria comes back in. So, uh, look, I, I think the team goes through spides, you know. I, I mean, the individual talent we know of with PSG, but I, I, I think that, that Leipzig have got a great opportunity to get through to a final here. I think PSG will go all the way. All, you wow. think they'll win it? I think PSG they, will win it. Bing. They're going to beat Bayern Munich. Yep. Mark that one down. Another one. Oh no! Trouble, <laughs> big call. Trouble at the mill. I, I like PSG. I think they're a good side. And you know, let's let's be honest. Lyon has knocked out Juventus and locked out uh, Man City. PSG yeah. finished first in the championship in France, and they're still in the other semi-final. And we're still not considering them the favourites now that Man City's gone out. I know. Last week we spoke about Man City favourites ahead of Bayern. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Well, we're going to hold that's it. Spider, that. That's Spider's market. That's Spider's yeah. market. The real market might be slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, congratulations as well to uh, Sevilla. They are through to the Europa League final again. Uh, they seem to just dominate this competition in recent years. So seen off Manchester United uh, in the semi-finals. And let's move on to some Twitter questions, guys. Uh, starting with this one from Adam Williams on the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, have single leg Champions League and Europa League knockout matches reinvigorated these competitions? I think it's a good question. I like the, the fact that they're playing the knockout phases in, in one specific location. They're, and they're... You know, it's all over in 90 minutes or 120 minutes. I, I really like it. Um, and I'll, I'll be really interested. Uh, I know COVID has played a part, but, you know, if this tournament kind of scenario, I think you're actually protecting the players because we know that they play a lot of games anyway. And all of a sudden you can have a host city. Um, so still there can be a lot of money that can be generated from these kind of tournaments. So I, I think it's been wonderful. I really do. Mm. 
I agree. Um, Australian scouted footballers, uh, Spider, would like some discussion on the development of uh, some young players in the German Bundesliga. Uh, Thea Harris, who used to be at Melbourne Victory, Italiano, ex-Perth, Jack Iredale, Jacob Young, all currently playing in Germany, who provide two of those Champions League uh, semi-finalists out of four. Is that the place to be or one of the places to be for a young player to develop properly? Great development country. Uh, work ethic, get loaned out. Uh, Division 2 is very good. Division 3 is very good in Germany. So they get plenty of game time. I think Germany is a great development country. And if you have a look at their clubs and the way they do it, I I think we are very similar to the way the Germans are when it comes to athletic and running power and all that. So, yeah, I think for all young players, it's a great place to start. But they want to take them young, Spides. eh? That's the the key message here. Um, You know, the Germans... (laughs) <laughs> well, that's, that's that's football. Everyone wants it, wants a cheap player, but they no, they really want that younger player, so that they can um, really influence in terms of their education. The, the older the player is, and and the, the the poorer habits that they have, Simon, they tend to steer clear of. And we've seen the fruits of that, haven't we, with the senior national team, with the likes of Matthew Leckie uh, and Brandon Borello, who is uh, cu- currently playing very yep. well in, in pre-season for his club side over in Germany. Anyway, I, I agree with both of you. I think uh, the Bundesliga or, or second Bundesliga, whatever it is, is certainly mm-hmm. a great place for young Australian players to develop, perhaps better than some other places. This one from Nick Ogle. Um, in watching Joao Felix play for Atletico Madrid, of course, he came off the bench uh, won the penalty. I wondered the panel's thoughts on record transfer fees being a bit of an albatross uh, around their next. Felix, he says he's obviously talented, but uh, could do so much better in a more attack-orientated side, but nobody could afford to buy it. What's your thoughts, Maury? Oh, he, he certainly made a, a huge difference in terms of that football match when he came on. And he, he, look, he just has that, um, you know, that, that flair and creative, creativity, a couple of nice little nutmegs, does a big price Heard a player, Simon, in terms of that, that extra pressure. Jao Felix has had an indifferent season. But then you look at a player like, uh, like Fernandez uh, for Manchester United. Right? I'm not sure what the transfer fee. It wasn't to the extent of a Jao Felix. But this is a player that thrives on, on the pressure of being the, the big star. Jao Felix is still to mature as a player. Um, he's a wonderful player. But for whatever reason, at Atletico this season, Simeone seen something that wasn't um, enough to be playing him week in, week out. And plus, the way that they play, the style of play, Spider, is obviously crucial to a player like Yao Felix, who likes to play with freedom. Um, and that's his strength, isn't it? I, I would have thought that uh, a lot of the games that he didn't play in more is only because of Simeone's such a defensive-orientated coach. So he probably couldn't actually do the job that Simeone wanted to do in defensive structure. That's, that's all I think. I, I do wonder if it's, it's time for Atletico Madrid, despite all the success that Diego Simeone has had, uh, for them to, to move on. I mean, that, that will hurt, that defeat by RB Leipzig in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. He's been there for nine years, delivered a lot of success, a lot of trophies. But, geez, it's, it's a very negative style to football to watch, isn't it? Um, let, let's move on to Asia, because we do want weekly chats on Asia. Um, news this week that the Asian qualifiers for World Cup 22 have been postponed until 2021. Presumably, we can forget all about Australia taking part of the Copa America, which is uh, very unfortunate. We're looking forward to that tournament. And here's an interesting one. 
Now, we got a Twitter question from Clinton Moore, uh, which sort of follows on from my rants uh, a week or two back on the podcast. He, he asked, what will it take for Australia to move uh, to more meaningfully engage with the ASEAN region? I spotted an interesting story this week in Nikkei Asian Review. This is regarding the J-League's growing popularity in, of all places, Thailand, in large mm -hmm. part thanks to two national team players, Shanatip and Tirasin. Uh, the mm -hmm. game between Shimizu and Consadol Sapporo, featuring those two players, was dubbed the Thai Derby. They really embraced this, the J-League. They attracted mm -hmm. an audience of a quarter of a million on TV in Thailand. All the players wore their shirt numbers in Thai. And the J-League have now signed a new TV deal with Siam Sport, and the J-League earns $20 million from overseas rights over the next uh, couple of years. Their league spokesman, guys, Kei Koyama, says the J-League currently earns 5% of its broadcasting revenue from overseas. We're hoping to raise that ratio uh, to 10%. At the moment, the Premier League gets 50%, Bundesliga 20%, but our league is growing in interest in that particular region, and we're next going to target Vietnam and, and Indonesia. Indonesia. That's mm. what happens when you have a plan that you deliver yes. upon. Is it? Yes, and a hundred percent of this, Simon. And let's not forget Southeast Asia. I think with the eleven countries, six hundred and fifty-five million population. Um, you know, so that's that's pretty impressive. But I just love the way that that the J League have been so creative here in this this Thai derby and. Mm. Uh, you know that that you've got to you've got to give something or, or or show something to the country that you want to try and engage with to do business and and this for me was a a brilliant story a fantastic concept and a lot that we can take from. I agree. There's no nothing more to be said. That's that's spot on, Maury. And you know what? The J League has always been a very business minded league as well, and they're they're getting the, reaping the benefits, aren't they? And maybe, just maybe, if we had the plus one rule, we could maybe do something similar. But we don't go and look in Southeast Asia for players, do we? And we refuse steadfastly to introduce the plus one rule, which just baffles me. We, we actually have looked into Southeast Asia, but we can't afford them. They actually yeah, yeah. earn too much money. Uh, but Spider, like, you're right, because we have, because I remember when we played in the Champions League against Mung Tong and the Thai team. And I, I stuck... Ah, uh, the left foot, mate. They had seven, eight, eight players in the national team. But they were, they were all on five, 600,000 US yeah. net. Um, but, Simon, uh, there are other markets that we certainly can engage with and, and, and build better strategic partnerships. Spider, what, what lets us down in this country is to do that properly, you need the resources to scout. Yep. Yep. It comes down to all money. Money. <laughs> Twas ever thus. All right, let's move on to our final segment for today Footballers' Lives. Footballers' Lives. So, our guest today on Footballers' Lives is a Scotsman with Polish heritage, a tough tackling defender with a shock of ginger hair that wouldn't be out of place in Braveheart. He started his career with the Hamilton Ackies, has played for Partick Thistle, Jagiellonia Bialystok, I hope I said that correctly, Pogon Sidice, Hamilton Ackies again, and now the Central Coast Mariners. That's a bit easier to say. It is a pleasure to welcome the Mariners medal winner for 2019-20, Mr. Siggy Gordon. How are you, Siggy? Very well, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here with you all. Great to have you on the show. Let, let's start with the, the obvious one. But where does the name 
Ziggy or Zygmunt, to give you your, your full first name, come from? Um, it's the Polish background on my mother's side. So my name is officially Zygmunt, but uh, I don't dare anyone to call me that. Ziggy will suffice fine. <laughs> okay, well, mate, just to let you know, you're AKA Flash from the, from the start of this show. Flash Gordon. <laughs> That's Maury's nickname uh, for you. Um, that part of your heritage is, is obviously pretty important to you. We'll get on to talk about why you went to Poland uh, in a while. But uh, I also want to ask you something about something people might not know here. You're very close in some strange but non blood related way to Stuart McGill. The Aussie cricketer. <laughs> How, what on earth is all that about? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I didn't really know Stu too well until I came over to Australia. Um, a family that I, it's almost like my second family in Scotland. Uh, they are blood related to Stu. They got in contact with him and said, look, our friend Ziggy, he's like a son to us. He's over in Australia. Make sure he feels welcome. Next thing I know, I got a message on Twitter from Stu McGill. And I'm sorry, Stu, if you're listening. I didn't know a clue who you were. <laughs> okay? You might be a big deal here, but back in Scotland, we don't have a clue. We don't even know how to spell cricket. <laughs> Mate, hey, so, Ziggy, Ziggy, Ziggy he, he, he couldn't get a trial at, at Mariners. Everyone else seemed to be able to get a trial at some stage. <laughs> hey, Stu McGill, Usain Bolt. Hey. You can have a guest appearance for sure. Oh, my God. T tell us a story that you heard about Usain Bolt, Ziggy. Oh, um, so, you know, obviously he's came here, a lot of, lot of enthusiasm. He's trying to win a contract, so, so he's training. We're playing five-a-sides. And Mikey McGlinch has got the ball. He goes past the goalkeeper and past the Usain for a simple finish. And he goes to his right foot and he, and he mucks up. He takes a touch and he falls over. And then everyone's going, Usain, Usain, put the ball in the goal. He's saying, Mikey, Mikey. This is the worst <laughs> Jamaican action ever. So I'll just... <laughs> Mike, Mike, no, I don't play with my right foot. Only left foot. Only fast to left foot. <laughs> oh, my God. You couldn't be more juxtaposed to Jamaican, uh, Ziggy. I think that's, that's pretty obvious. I um, did want to give him yeah, uh, you were also, I think this has been well, pretty well documented. You were a junior national chess champion. So brains as well as brawn. How did you get into that as a kid? Yeah, brains and brawn. Unfortunately, you know, not handsome enough to, to have all three. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. It's one of those things. Uh, I tried to, you know, have fingers in many, many different pies. And it's one of those things. My dad taught me. I seem to be quite good at it. When the tournament seemed to be better than most at it, then all, all of a sudden I was in, you know, a, a Scottish championship match and uh, I managed to win about 13. And then football took over because the tournaments and the games were on the same day and there was... There's only one avenue I was go, going under. One was more popular than the other, you know. And I was against that. I was looking for a girlfriend. Who, who's, who's your chess idol? Gary Kasparov or? I think Fisher. Bobby Fisher. Right. That means nothing you, to me. You, you've, lost me. To you. yeah, you've, you've lost me. me. You've lost me as well. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's talk about football, shall we? Um, as as yeah. we mentioned, you started in the Scottish Premier League with, with Hamilton Ackies. Uh, do you remember your debut against St. Johnson at McDermott Park? I remember very well for more reasons than one. So I was a substitute that game, most supposed, supposedly substitute. And uh, one of the, the centre-backs, David Elber, actually gets injured five minutes before kickoff. I don't know what he's done. Um, but I, just, I was already in the dressing room and I just got pulled in by the manager at the time, Bill Reid, and said, you're playing. 
as and I, I didn't have time to really process it or think about it or get nervous. I just remember putting the strip on and I was I was out walking out to the pitch. Um and we lost two 0 that day. But you know, I personally I played really well and I think it actually worked out that I didn't know too much about it. And he got promoted in uh, in season 13-14, but I think you beat Morton 10-2 on the final day of the season. So you're you're up in the Scottish Premier League, you go into places like Pataudry and Celtic Park, and in your first season in the in the top flight, Hamilton went to Celtic Park and won one nil. I can't believe, Simon, you've left out Ibrox yet. <laughs> well, you, to be fair, Maury, uh, Ibrox wasn't why, on his schedule at, at that particular why. time. That's yeah, why I left yeah. it out. In fact, okay, I'm not good. sure you ever played at Ibrox. Did you, Ziggy? Maybe you did. Not that year, I didn't. Um, two years ago, when I was playing for Hamlet, I played at Ibrox twice. Yeah. yeah. But do you, you remember that 1-0 win against Celtic? Obviously, that's one of the most famous uh, Aki's win in, in history, isn't it? I know it very well, but at the time we were flying. I think we were top of the league come, I think, um, September. We were top of the league flying. We've just came and we'd be more than 10-2. We then beat Hebs and we just continued on, on that wave. Um, and then obviously we came to Celtic Park and it was just a feeling of pure optimism, one that I've, I've seldom felt uh, since that, to be honest, when you play such a big team. Um, and they had the likes of you know Van Dyke playing, Gary Hooper, I think, was playing. So they had a top, top team. I think that year, the year after, they beat Barcelona as well. Um, so it was, a, it, was, it was a great day. I, I, was, I was captain of the side, which was something I'll remember, you know, for the rest of my career. So it's one that I certainly look back with, with great um, fondness. Ziggy, you, you touch on the, the promotion uh, that you, you had there with, with Hamilton. It's very topical in Australia, as we know, uh, with the whole promotion and relegation. Were you relegated at any stage in your career, in your early, earlier days at Hamilton? I've never been relegated. No. Yeah, but can you talk can us it, through... I've been relegated regardless of coming bottom. <laughs> no, but can, can you talk us through a little bit about that experience of, of the promotion winning season and, 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 and what that meant to the players and the pressure on a game-to-game basis? I think, I think pressure when you're winning is very different to pressure when you're losing. I think pressure when you're winning is enjoyable pressure. Pressure when you're losing isn't enjoyable at all. And I've been at both spectrums. I've been top of the league with Hamilton Ackies for the whole season. And you just, you just go into games constant. And even when you don't play well, you just feel you're going to win the game somehow. When you're at the bottom end, even when you're playing well, you think, we might not win today. And it's, it's, it's very, very different. So that actually leads, leads us on to probably your experience uh, and time at Central Coast Mariners and touching on that type of experience, um, the mentality um, <clears throat> in terms of trying to, to turn around a losing, a losing culture when you're not getting the, the results. How difficult was the season with the Mariners? It's, it's something I've never experienced. I mean, being in a league where there's no relegation, you know, and there's a salary cap and there's all these different avenues that doesn't give players that extra boost and you know I'm not trying to um, question the integrity of players because I like to think that everyone gives 100% regardless of the reasons why they're on that park you know if it's financial or whatever it is but it certainly it's not easy it really isn't easy um, given that there's no relegation I mean I've been I've been brought up in a culture where Football is your life. It's your livelihood. Every game is 
you know, life or death. And I feel um, in parts you can lose to that because there's, no, there's not that relegation aspect. Ziggy, um, I, I think the Mariners fans appreciated your wholehearted approach to the game, which I, I guess was epitomised uh, even before the, the current A-League season started. You got to the semi-finals of the FFA Cup with the Mariners. Uh, you lost in the semis. And I, I think you were quoted as saying that was one of the worst moments of your career. And I remember reading that thinking, actually, that's good to hear. Because we don't hear that too often in this country. But you were really gutted that you'd lost that semi-final. Because you don't get that many opportunities to play in a cup final, do you? No, you don't. And, you know, I've yet to be in a, in a cup final of, of any sort. And especially being my first year. And, and obviously, I'm, I know about the history of the Mariners the last couple of years. have been really kind of doom and gloom, very difficult. And I felt that, you know, I came in. Um, we had that resurgence, you know, new manager, new players. It seemed like, you know, that was the perfect way to, st- to, to start the season. And I think that Adelaide loss actually hurt the boys um, a lot more throughout the season that you would like to, like to think. Now, Ziggy, I, I've only, I don't know you personally, but speaking to you now only for these five minutes and listening to you're a person that's, that's actually driven, which is fantastic to see. And so where does that leave you? at Central Coast for the future? Do you have a contract further there? Are you looking to, to go elsewhere? Because I find it difficult after just listening to you for five minutes now, you want to win. You actually want to be a part of something that can win something. I think it's in my, my personality and in my nature that I'm a winner. I think Simon touched upon it. I think fans appreciate someone coming here and giving their all <clears> and <throat> purely motivated by winning games. That's what I'm motivated. And obviously this season... We've not won, you know, nearly as many games as I'd hoped to have won this season. But, you know, that, that happens in football. Anything can happen. I think uh, in terms of myself, I think you just need to keep your eyes open and over the next week or so. Um, I've got a great affinity to the Mariners um, and the fans. And there's some special people at the club as well. And I think it's a project that shows a lot of potential. I've seen what the Mariners were in the past. And it's something that I've got great, you know, belief in um, can be rectified in the future. Ziggy, we're, we're jumping a little uh, around chronologically here, but I just want to go back uh, earlier on in your career before we return to the Mariners. You went to Poland uh, to play for uh, Jagiellonia. I think that's the way you pronounce it uh, initially. I know you played for another club in the second tier in Poland as well. What was that experience like and, and did it help that you had that, that cultural background uh, with the Polish side of your family? I presume you, you spoke a bit of the language as well. It was, it was really eye-opening. I think every player needs to try different leagues because every league is very different in their own, you know, in their own individualism. I think going to Poland, uh, I was so out of my depth. I had a really strong career uh, in Scotland, played, you know, over 150 games before I was 22 years old in the Premier League. And I wanted to go over to Poland for a, to a top club. And I'll be honest with you, I felt like I was a fish out of water. I was so far behind the level that it was acceptable once I went over there. Not because I wasn't a good enough player, but just the style of play, I wasn't quite ready for it. And I think by progressing there, I became a far better player. And even... Um, the tough times where every player is eventually going to have when they go abroad. It's certainly made me a more, um, a better person as well, not just a player. Well, this is the beauty of football, isn't it? That uh, you, you can have those different 
uh, cultural experiences. And you were offered a similar opportunity, actually, just before you signed with the Mariners. I know that you were in discussions with Dinamo Bucharest in, in Romania. Well, what swung it the way of the Mariners? Maybe, maybe as it turned out, Ziggy, you should have gone to Bucharest. <laughs> the way the results <laughs> finished up. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I think. I think uh, the way things have, have worked out, you know, in terms of the where we're placing the table, obviously isn't what I hope to be. But uh, personally, I feel like I've I've really progressed as a player as a person this season, and uh, I've really enjoyed, you know, some aspects of of this season. Ziggy, uh, with the experience that you've now had in a, in Australia, um, we're obviously looking to develop and improve all the time. You've seen it firsthand. Our, our players that are coming through our system, the younger players in particular, how do you feel um, they are travelling and are they equipped at this stage to be able to maybe make um, some moves to Europe at a later stage? Obviously, I can only really speak of uh, the players that I work with day-to-day. Um, I've seen some fantastic talent, I have to say, especially the likes of Adelaide and other teams where there's some really good, enthusiastic, skillful, talented youth players. But you need to remember, in Europe, there's thousands of them. There really is. The one thing Australia can give uh, to young players that... Uh, young potential players can't get in Europe is experience. And one thing I would say to, to young players here is play as many games as you can here. Get better because that's what you have over players or players in Europe because there's so many good players in Europe. But the flip side of that, so the flip side of that argument for a lot of the European clubs that are recruiting, they want that Australian player that's younger that, that maybe doesn't have that, that top-flight experience but doesn't have the bad habits, Ziggy, that, that potentially these Australian players can get into. So it's a difficult one for, for players, isn't it? Well, I think, I think that question boils down to the coaching and the mentality and the philosophy they grew up with throughout the youth systems. There's no reason why a 19-year-old in Europe um, needs to be any better or more equipped to play in Europe than a 19-year-old in Australia. I think there's many, many positives from the Australian game. But like I was saying, in Europe, it's, it's, just, it's almost like a different machine. There's, there's young boys coming you know, better and better every single year. And if young players in, in Australia want to compete, and if Australian, Australia as a federation want to compete with Europe, you need to build on the philosophies that have already shown such success over there. How did, how did you find the workload here, Ziggy, compared to, to over there in Scotland? And I mean workload in regards to preparing for a match. I, th- I think it's very different. I mean, last season, for instance, I played 43 games. This season, I played every minute of every game and I still only played 28, 29, 28, 29 games, including the FFA Cup. So for me, you know... I enjoy training, I enjoy getting better, but for me, there's nothing like a match day. Um, I love playing football matches, in, and in Europe, uh, Scotland in particular, you don't train as much. When you do train, you train to you know 100% capacity, and then you play in a game, and it's just over and over again, and you get in a routine here. Because there's, there's far less games, there's more training, I find it more difficult to get into a routine uh, because it's so stop, start, stop, start, and then you're going from two completely different weather, you know, situations. 
Interesting. Um, Ziggy, we're going to finish off our chat with uh, a few Twitter questions. Uh, we had quite a few for you, and I, I know you've been online and had a look at them. Uh, let's start with this one, which uh, is actually our question of the week. Uh, congratulations go to Ben Archer. You win a $100 meal voucher for uh, our great sponsor, Outback Steakhouse. So thanks very much for your question. And his question is this, how does the A-League compare to the Polish League? Where would A-League clubs excel in Poland? And what would be a struggle for them? It's a good question. First of all, do I get an invite? Am I included in the voucher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might take you. Well, he's got a hundred bucks to spare, so maybe, maybe you get the burger. You can come know. with me, mate. I'm there three times a week. <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect. So, to going back to the question, you're at, the question, if I'm if I'm corrected, is what are the differences between the Polish league and A league? Yeah, and, and you know, would would A league clubs, I guess, be able to compete in Poland, or, or what aspects of the game over there would be a struggle for them? Well, like I said before, the thing about playing in different leagues is there's different styles of football. So I don't think it's fair to say an A league <laughs> club went to Poland and wouldn't be able to compete or an A-League club went to Spain and would be able to compete because the style of plays are, are a bit more similar. I think it's all to do with integration. Can an A-League club, in the way that they play, go over to a league like Poland where they're playing in minus 10 degrees and it's extremely fast and um, you don't retain possession as much, but there's a lot more chance to the game? I think it all comes down to the, the coaching and how you would uh, change your philosophy in order to fit in with that league, because there's so many different aspects to, to every league. Okay. Um, Nick Gerver, just leading on from that, you mentioned temperatures of minus 10. Uh, his question is pretty simple. Winter or summer football, what's best for the island? I mean, I, I think it's simple. I, I'm a massive advocate for winter football. I think, personally, I mean, I know I'm quite tanned, and I came, I came from a tropical <laughs> summer. Bit of myself. Uh, back home. But I think, you know, for me, when it, when it came into the summer, I really struggled in terms of, you know, I like to think that I, I'm a good athlete and my fitness levels are, are pretty high, but it was just, it's a game changer for me. I think the, the level of football, the style of football just lowers because you can't, you can't retain possession, you can't run as far. And I think fans want to see, you know, power and movement. And if you look at Bayern Munich against Barcelona, that's a prime example of what we need to try and aspire to. And that can only happen when the temperatures are lower. Ziggy, on a, on a lighter note, um, mate, I've experienced the banter uh, and the type of characters, obviously, in, in Scottish football. Uh, how, have you found, how have you found the banter in an Australian dressing room and how do the Mariners rate? Uh, I think it's different. I think every individual is different. Uh, I've been a part of some fantastic dressing rooms in, in Scotland. And, and as I'm sure you can testify, the banter can be quite uh, funny for those who are not um, ah. the one getting punished. I've had, good, I've had a few good T-shirts up in the wall. Um, <laughs> some with new holes in them and some without. Um, but I I think it's which to your own. I think banter is, is almost a lot easier when you're doing well in the league. And unfortunately for us this season, it's been a, it's been a troublesome season for, for obvious reasons. And, and because of that, I think it's not fair to really gauge the, the banter in the dressing room. Uh, let's, and let's, the, sorry, go on, Maury. Yep. And, and sorry, I just wanted to be clear. So in terms of your, your future, you've, you've enjoyed your time here in Australia and you still feel as if... Um, there's a possibility of, of extending your stay? 
I think there's definitely a, posi uh, a possibility of staying in my stay. As I said before, I think you just need to keep your eyes out over the next week or two because I think everything will be um, concrete and, and I think everyone will know what the future brings for myself. There we go. Ziggy's just uh, so he basically little knows and he's not telling. A little uh, signpost. It's a, a big scoop. A big scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish off with uh, with a banter question, Ziggy. A League Couch Critics wants to know what your favourite sauce bottle is. Is it tomato? Is it barbecue? Or the underdog <laughs> mustard <laughs> at Central Coast Stadium? <laughs> Oh, um, let's go for the barbecue. There we go. <laughs> barbecue. Perfect for the Outback Steakhouse. Oh, despite it never misses an opportunity. Oh, I could bring you a Master Foods barbecue if, you, if I do get that fight. <laughs> well, Ben Archer, the, uh, the, the invite is there. If you want to take Ziggy for, uh, for uh, ribs and steak or whatever, then uh, I'm sure he'll oblige. Ziggy, thanks so much for being here. Hang on, hang on. Before he goes, before he goes, Simon. Before <laughs> on, you, Ziggy, before you go, mate. I've got to ask a question, right? Massive, massive year in Scotland, as we know. And, and I know you've played for Hamilton and Partick, this and all that sort of stuff, but someone either supports Rangers or they support Celtic. <laughs> who's, I'm not going to ask you who you support, but who's going to win the league this year? Because it's a massive year, isn't it? Uh, Celtic will win this season. Up oh. you go, Ziggy. Oh, Cop that mate. one more yeah. now. Get oh, off. Mate, that, was, that was a big uppercut. That <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> we'll see if you're right. And, uh, well, Spider's come out with the big predictions this week anyway. So uh, I, th I think we'll probably forget about that by the time next week comes around. Because apparently PSG are going to be European champions, but we shall see. Ziggy, thanks so much uh, <clears throat> Excuse me for your time, mate. Really great to see you. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we, uh, we see you again for uh, at least next year, maybe a couple more years here in Australia. Hope so. Thanks, gents. Brilliant. Appreciate it. Ziggy. Ziggy. Well Thanks, Ziggy. And that is us for another week of Shim Spider and so much more. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors, Streamgate and Outback Steakhouse. We'll be back for more. Same time, same place next week. Until then, bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.